the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Now I want to break it down so we understand this so that there's no confusion about what salvation is. Because salvation, the word was mentioned five times. You did a wonderful job reading it out loud with me. It is a gift. It is a gift. Now, I'm going to put this on human level so that we all understand the importance of what a gift is and how it works. Because this is how salvation is. So for you note takers, first of all, a gift is an expression of love. This is Cornerstone Connection. The radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans. If someone gives you a gift, do you try to pay them back? That's not the nature of gift giving. When you love someone, you want to bless them, and you don't care if they give you something in return. As Pastor Gary reminds us in today's message, in the same way, when God gave you the gift of salvation through Christ, He wasn't expecting you to pay him back with good deeds. Yes, good works are a natural response to express your love back to him, but they are not necessary to earn or maintain the salvation he gives you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans, chapter 5, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Christianity is the only world religion, when you understand what Jesus came to do, that says you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you can't work your way to heaven. But God sent his son Jesus dying a cross so that you might receive it as a free gift. Now, on that note, let's go back to this section between verses 15 and 17. I'm going to read it again. I want you to circle every time the word gift is there because this is important, understanding salvation. So again, verse 15. But the gift. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Every time we see the word gift, I want you to say it out loud with me, okay? Here we go. Ready? That means you got to read now, all right? Don't look at me. Read it. Look at your Bibles. Verse 15, but the gift is not like, that's good, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Again, the of God is not like the result of of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the 
of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What is salvation, friends? It's a gift. Okay? Now, it's a gift. Now, I want to break it down so we understand this so that there's no confusion about what salvation is. Because salvation, the word was mentioned five times. You did a wonderful job reading it out loud with me. It is a gift. It is a gift. Now, I'm going to put this on a human level so that we all understand the importance of what a gift is and how it works. Because this is how salvation is. So for you note takers, first of all, a gift is an expression of love. Now, don't over-spiritualize this, so don't raise your hand on this question. It's a rhetorical question, all right? But some of you might because you, you did something very noble. But go with me on this. How many of you typically give gifts to people you don't like? All right? Don't raise your hand. If there's probably somebody here that's like, yes, the Lord told me to give a gift to somebody. All right, thank you. But for the rest of us who are not as spiritual, you don't typically give a gift to somebody you don't like. You give gifts to people you love. That's the nature of a gift. You give gifts to people that you love. And that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He loved everybody. Doesn't love our sin. Doesn't love when we rebel against him. But he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son as a gift. Salvation is a gift. You give gifts to people whom you love. In fact, if, if you haven't read this book and you're married, I encourage you to get the book, The Five Love Languages. I think it's by Gary Chapman. The Five Love Languages. It's a great book. Terry and I read it together. One of the, it basically says that everybody feels loved in one of five ways. And one of the five love languages is gifts. And there are some people who just feel especially loved um, when you give them a gift. It doesn't have to be very expensive. It can just be something that shows that you care about them. Okay? Some of you may have identified that in your lives. How many of you think that, yeah, it's kind of a love language. I really feel loved when somebody gives me a gift. Don't be embarrassed. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay? So some of you now, if you're married to somebody who raised your hand, you better get on it. You better get on it, my friend, okay? Because gifts is the way they feel loved. So when you give a gift, it is an expression of love. Because you don't give gifts to somebody you don't like, unless Jesus tells you to do that. All right. <laughs> but secondly, a gift is costly. Now, it doesn't mean it's expensive. You, you can get a very, you can give a very wonderful gift, and you can receive a wonderful gift. It doesn't have to be expensive in that sense, but it will always cost the giver something. Okay? It will always cost the giver something. Maybe it's even something you made. Well, the material you had to buy or, or, or purchase somewhere, even if you made that blanket or you, or you carved that headboard or, or whatever it might be, you still had to get the material somewhere. It cost you, and it cost you time. It cost you some kind of effort. It cost you maybe financially, obviously, in some way. So a gift is also costly. It always costs the giver something. Maybe a lot, maybe a little, but it always costs the giver something. Third thing about a gift, we'll tie all this together, just bear with me. Third thing about a gift is it is freely given versus earned, right? If you earned it, it's not really a gift by definition. It's not. You, nobody comes home at the end of a payday and waves their paycheck and says, Hey, hey, honey, look, look at the gift the boss gave me. No, no, that's not a gift. 
You earned that. You worked hard for that. That's not a gift by definition. You worked for that. But a true gift is something you didn't work for. You didn't earn it. Because by definition, a gift is freely given. So it has nothing to do with your performance, with how well you did. or, or it, it is just the, the, the heart of the giver to freely express something, and you didn't earn it. You didn't strive for it, work for it. It's freely given. Fourth thing about a gift is this, that it is unconditional. If a gift is truly a gift, it doesn't come with any strings attached. Now, some of you have probably received a gift with some strings attached, and it bugs you, doesn't it? It bugs you. It should. But if somebody, if somebody, and they slip it in subtly, don't they? Like, I just, I just felt led to give this to you. Just wanted to give you this wonderful gift. By the way, uh, could you walk my dogs next week? Because I'm going on vacation, and, uh, and so I'm going to leave the dogs at the house. But I, I just wanted to give this to you. Would you mind walking the dog? And you're like, yeah, gee, thanks. And you take the gift, and now you're walking their dogs for the next week. And you're like, gee whiz, why? You know, I wouldn't mind walking the dogs if they just asked me. But I don't like when somebody gives you a gift, do you? And then they have something attached, like there's a string attached. It's like, if you would maybe do this for me here. It's like, you don't even want to take the gift, do you? You might be inclined to say, ah, I don't really want the gift. Thank you. If that means I have to walk your dogs, I don't want the gift. So a gift truly is unconditional, no strings attached. Fifth and final thing is a gift is to be received. If someone has a gift for you, but you don't receive it, how is it really a gift? That might be intentional on the giver's part that, it, that it's a gift. But if you don't end up actually receiving it, well, it's not really a gift. Now, put all this together, okay? Because this is the way salvation is. It is an expression of love. The reason why Jesus dies on the cross is because he loves us. God loves us. Love the world, gave his only begotten son, okay? It is an expression of his love towards us. It is also costly. Jesus gave his life. He paid the supreme sacrifice for us to be saved. Gave his life on a cross so that as many as believed in him, to them that received him, he gave the right to become children of God, okay? It was very costly. Shed his blood for you and me. Salvation is also freely given. It is not earned. Again, none of us, it sounds like a broken record, but none of us earn salvation. None of us deserve salvation. None of us works our way to heaven. Jesus dies on a cross, and then he freely extends the opportunity for you to accept that what he did on the cross, on your behalf and my behalf, is sufficient to satisfy the wrath of a righteous judge so that we might be freely forgiven. Everything we've ever done erased from our record. You know, you know when, when, when kids end up committing crimes and they go to juvie for a while, and then if they committed the crime before they're 18, then they, they serve some kind of time or they do community service, and then their record is expunged almost like they never committed it. If, you're bef if it's before you're 18, right? If you're after 18, it's going to go on your record. You're going to have a record. Well, the reality is that all of us are, in a sense, over 18. Everything we've ever done was listed on a record and the rap sheet is long and jesus comes along and he expunges the record it's like it's like it was never committed when we put our faith and trust in what he did freely given not earned unconditional no strings attached jesus doesn't say you could be saved if you believe on me and do something else unconditional no strings attached freely given freely received which is the last point you can't be saved if you just have a head knowledge of all this, 
It's a gift on a shelf. You have to receive it. You have to believe and then accept it. That what Christ has done for you is sufficient to save you. For the forgiveness of your sins. To be able to go to heaven when you die. So, though, though he extends it. This is why when some people say, well, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven, right? I mean, you know, as long as you just, you know, believe. Hey, the Bible says even the demons of hell believe and tremble. Okay? You can have a head knowledge of who Christ is and not go to heaven, friends. Because the gift has to be received. has to be appropriated. You have to actually invite him. Yes, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Once you pray something simple like that, then you've received the gift. Again, for as many as received him, to them that believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we have to receive it as well. And that sometimes takes some humility. We have to humble ourselves. We can't be so full of ourselves that we miss salvation because we're just proud. We have to be able to humble ourselves, agree with God. Yes, I'm a sinner like everyone else. Yes, I've missed the mark. I'm not perfect. Yes, I accept by faith that Jesus died on a cross for me. Thank you, Lord. And I receive that and I believe that. And then you shall be saved. It's a gift. Freely given, freely to be received. Chapter 6, starting in chapter 6 and 7, Paul anticipates, and, and maybe you would have these questions too, Paul anticipates three objections or questions about grace. All this grace stuff seems too good to be true. That God's unmerited favor given to us. We didn't deserve it, but Jesus dies for us. So, so this sounds too good to be true. And so he anticipates three objections or questions about grace. Here's the first one in chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So here's and another way of saying it is this. Question number one. If God's grace abounds when we sin, can we continue sinning to experience God's grace? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's anticipating the abuse of grace because he realizes you start talking about something wonderful and free like this, there's liable to be some people who are like, okay, great, grace, grace, God's grace, this is wonderful, and so I'm just going to do whatever I jolly well want to do because I have grace. So he anticipates this. He says, so for those of you who think just because God's grace abounds when we sin, in other words, you can't out-sin God's grace, okay, because there's more grace than there is sin, just because that's true, doesn't give us license to just keep on sinning so that we might experience more of God's grace. So he answers it. Verse 2, by no means. He says, forget that. No. He says, we died. Now circle the word died. That's going to become a key word in this passage as well. We're going to see it 15 times between verses 1 and 14. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now let me just read down through verse 14 and then we'll come back. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. 
Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. All right? So again, this is, this is kind of heady stuff here, so let's backtrack. First section here, verses 1 through 5, uh, he's talking about the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he says, listen, when you and I are water baptized, that's what we identify with. So he talks about baptism there in the first few verses, and this is why we practice baptism here by immersion. Water baptism in the Bible is a practice that expresses an internal work with an external action. The external action is water baptism. So every like three months or so, we'll, we, we take as many people as want to be baptized. And as a whole church, we go over to Ida Lee, as many as want to come, and we baptize people in the pool there. And so the idea is this. When you go under the water, you are identifying with the death of Christ, the burial of Christ. You're under the water like Christ was put in a tomb. When you come up out of the water, you identify with the resurrection of Christ. And Paul uses baptism as the parallel. He says, you know how Christ died? Went in the tomb, okay? Now when you trust Christ as your Savior and as an act of obedience, not because it gets you saved... But you are water baptized, and I encourage everybody to be, if you haven't been, when you come to know Christ. It's like a parallel. When you go under the water, you're saying, I want to die to the old self. I want to crucify that old person, the person who used to party, the person who used to sleep around, the person who used to, you know, uh, get all, you know, full of himself or herself with addiction and all this kind of stuff. I want all that, the cheating person, the stealing person, the lying person, the compromising person. I want that person dead. And... And, and by faith in Jesus Christ, I pronounce that person dead, that I might live a new life for the glory of God. In the same way Jesus rose from the dead, I want to live a new life for the glory of God through the help and strength of Jesus. And so that's why Paul writes here about this word dead. Again, it's 15 times the word death, die, or dying, some form of the word is used in that passage I just read. Because in order for you to live a new life for Christ, you have to... Reckon, King James says, not as in, I reckon, but as in, I decide, verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, he's going to say in these chapters here, starting here, there's a disposition of every Christian, and there's a dispensation for every Christian. All right, something is dispensed on your behalf. We'll talk about that later because he doesn't address it here. The first thing he addresses, though, is the disposition. There has to be a, a, a mindset. There's a disposition that every Christian needs to have. And that is to reckon or to count the old person dead. When you become a Christian, you have to recognize that the life you lived before you came to know Christ is over. Done. No going back. You are a new person. The old person is gone. Okay, when I was about, I don't know, maybe five or six years old, I ran away from home, okay, as a kid. 
tired of all the rules, tired of parents who don't know what they're talking about, all right? I mean, what are the rules when you're five? Like, you know, take a bath tonight. I don't know. I don't remember. How many of you ever in your life ran away from home growing up? Okay, so some of us ran away from home, and so you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you thought about running away from home, but you never did? All right, so the rest of you are in that group. And so, yeah, I don't remember what the deal was. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this place. This, this, I'm, I'm bailing. This joint is messed up, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting out of here. I, knew be- I know better than these people, and so I'm, I'm leaving. So like, I was five or six years old, and I packed a little overnight bag, and, and, uh, and there, were t- there were two things that were important to me. I, I slept with a little stuffed monkey. You know, don't judge me. I mean, it's just the way it was growing up. I slept with a little stuffed monkey, and so I put monkey in the bag, all right? So the monkey's got to go with me, because I can't sleep without the monkey in the bag, and, and one pair of underwear, all right? <laughs> And so off I go, one pair of underwear and monkey in the bag. At the, and, and I had a baseball hat on, so, you know, you got, you got baseball going, you got the monkey, you got clean underwear, so life's good. And, I, and I'm walking down the street, and, and my mom, my dad was at work, and my mom actually opened the door for me. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> That's terrible. She opened the door for me. I said, I'm, I said, I'm leaving this place. She said, okay, let me help you. And so she opened up the door. And, uh, and, and so she, and she says, all right, be, be on your way if that's the way you feel. And so I said, that's the way I feel. And so I, and so I got, I got, I got, and I can remember this like it was yesterday. This is crazy. I just very vivid to me. And I, and I was walking down the street and my mom later tells me that she stood at the bay window of her house watching. Cause she's like, if you get out of my sight, I'm coming after you. But as long as she could, and this was back in the day when the world was a lot safer and we didn't wear helmets riding our bikes. Okay. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. I don't know why we do that today. But anyway, it was a day, no seatbelts and no, no helmets. And, and it was wonderful. But anyhow, um, I, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's just the way it was. Uh, anyway, um, and, and so, so mom was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, she told me later, I'm watching you until you get out of sight. And then I'm coming after you. Well, right when I was about to get out of sight on, on the end of the street, I, I remember processing this. I remember thinking, I can't do this. I just remember thinking, you know, I don't have a job, and I can't, I don't know how I'm going to survive, where will I live, you know, what, where will I eat food and all this kind of stuff, and, and I'm looking at pine cones, I'm like, no, that's not going to work, and so I decided I'll head back. Now, I had to walk all the way up the street, and I remember thinking to myself, what, what am I going to, because I, I had too much pride to say, sorry, and I'll obey the rules, so I'm like, I'm not saying that. So I'm going to get back, and I, the whole way back, I'm thinking, what can I say? What can I say? What's going to be the answer? What's going to be the answer? So I get to the door, and I ring the doorbell, and my mom answers it, and she says, hello. I said, hello. And she said, uh, Gary, come on in. I said, I'm not Gary. She says, you're not? I said, no. Now, I couldn't think enough about, like, a new name. So I, so I just said, I'm the new Gary. And I stepped right in the house. Okay? Now, in a sense, here's why I'm telling that story. Because that's like a foolish little, you know, five, six-year-old kid. But, but that's, that's how I had to r- rationalize it. Okay? I don't want to eat crow and say, I, you know, I was foolish. Okay, I'll obey the rules. I'm just going to I'm a new person. And the, and the old person's gone. The old person's gone. And that's the way we have to get it in our heads when we come to follow Christ, too. Because in a true, richer sense, we are new creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, all things are new. 
And we have to reckon, we have to count ourselves, we have to have the disposition that as a believer in Christ, the old person's going to be dead, not going back. And some, for some of you, that, that's a happy transition because you're realizing that was miserable, got me in a lot of trouble, paid a big price for that old person. For others of you, it's a little bit of a struggle because, you know, you kind of like the old things and you like the old habits and it's a harder, it's a harder disconnect. But wh- whether it's hard or easy, every single one of us in Christ has to get to the place where we realize we can't go back. That old person is dead. And we reckon that person dead. We count ourselves dead with Christ and alive with God through Jesus. Romans teaches that living for Jesus isn't just something you say with your mouth. It's an entire lifestyle change. Your heart and your mind are made new through the powerful grace and love of Jesus. You begin to want to do things as Jesus has, and that includes knowing what he says in the Word. It's important to make spending time in the Bible part of your life. You'll learn more about the Savior you follow and his plans for your life and for the world as a whole. We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Gary Hamrick's message on Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen again to this study in Romans, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, you'll be able to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it all. Are you in the Leesburg area? If so, we'd love to have you come join us for our weekly services at Cornerstone Chapel. We meet each week on Sundays at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Come meet Pastor Gary, spend some time in the Word, and join us as we lift our voices in praise to our King. Directions to Cornerstone Chapel can be found on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. We hope you'll join us again for this continuing study of Romans right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 